All right, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Um, I will say this. Uh, some, of, some have uh, expressed some interest in, in uh, Baptist Couriers for Christ and going with them. They'll put some miles on too. Brother Malucci put some miles on with Michael there. And... Uh, Put some miles on with them and go out and, and do do much of the same. You can do that uh, as well. Brother Lieb uh, over there in Sicily also extended an invitation for next year. And uh, there's opportunities to go and be able to do something. And if you are uh, able and willing, it'd be a blessing to you. Uh, we have we have gone over uh, and made and made trips into Canada, but uh, even. Even street preaching in, in Montreal is not quite the same. And so there's just uh, nothing like going, going somewhere that is completely foreign and uh, being able to, to minister that way. Uh, Luke chapter 22, I'm going to read a little bit of a passage here. And uh, I mentioned it this morning. There's kind of a, it's probably familiar to you, but it's kind of a new look that I haven't really noticed. And uh, I think... Uh, I think it's pretty. Uh, I think it's pretty accurate right here. So let's uh, let's take a look here. Uh, verse number thirteen. We'll start and we'll read all the way down uh, through verse oh, thirty-four. It says in verse thirteen, and they went. That would be Jesus Christ and his disciples, and found as he had said unto them. And they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise Authority upon them are, are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appointed unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt deny, thrice deny that thou knowest me. And so this is Jesus Christ. Of course, this is the Last Supper, right? This is the last meal he has, the Passover that he keeps with his disciples. 
And as he's going through the meal, we already know all the, all the pieces, right, of the unleavened bread and the, and the grape juice, the wine that he does, and he partakes, and this is my body broken for you, this is the New Testament in my blood, and so on. And then uh, he, he makes mention of this betrayal that's about to happen. Of course, we know that it's Judas Iscariot that's about to betray him. And uh, Judas is ready to, to, to do that, and he's about to walk out, and he's about to go ahead, and, you know, the Lord's going to lean over to him in the book of John. You find out he leans over, that thou doest, do quickly, you know, and out he goes. And they're here at the table. He says, somebody's going to betray me. And then the rest of the disciples are going, who's it going to be? <laughs> Who, who's the betrayer? But that's not the only thing they're discussing. Most of the time, everybody thinks that's the only thing they're discussing. The other thing they're discussing is, well, which one, who's betrayed him, but who's the greatest? Like, who's the worst guy at the table, right? But who's the best guy at the table? And the, there's a strife. All of a sudden, there's a strife between all of them going, hey, I'm better than you, and I'm better than so-and-so, and I ought to be the best, and this is why I'm the greatest, and... There's this weird, this is a weird conversation happening right here. Somebody's going to betray me. He's sitting at the table with me. And everybody's like, well, who is it? But then they're like, yeah, but I'm the greatest. So it couldn't be me, you know. And uh, then the Lord, you know, of course, sets them straight on that. And uh, basically, if you're going to be great, you got to be a servant. And then he says uh, in verse number, uh, verse number 31, he says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he, may sift you as, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, uh, the interesting thing, I'm going to preach in that section right there. I did the setup on purpose. That whole passage is part of what I'm going to talk about a little bit. But uh, I noticed something here. Now, you'll only get this, and, and somebody can go, oh, well, you guys are crazy. Uh, you'll only get this in a King James Bible. This is the only place you're going to get this. And the reason is all the new versions do one thing. They eliminate thee and thou and ye and you, and they make all of those you. Now, when you do that, you ruin stuff. Now, I'm going to go into some languages right here, and every foreign language on the planet, except for basic English here in the United States, there is a singular version of you and a plural version of you. That's how it is. That's just normal. In the Old English, if you want to call it that, technically it's Middle English, but anyways, I won't get into all that. Uh, in the English of a King James Bible you find out things uh, are singular as thou and thee. And they are always plural as you or ye. That is the case every single time. I'm going to show you. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 17. And we can do this every time. I won't do this at every passage that this occurs, all right, because it happens over and over. I mean, it is entirely through the Bible. That is what it is, all right? But I'm going to show you some examples where he uses both in the same verse, and you can delineate what he is doing in the verse because you make that separation. Now, notice what he says here in Genesis chapter 17. He is speaking to Abraham, right, in verse number 9. Thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. So he's talking to Abraham and he says, thou, that's singular, right? 
Then he says this, this is my covenant which ye, well, who's he talking to? Not just Abraham, because the covenant is made, notice that, and thy seed after thee. So now he goes, all of your generations, ye, not just Abraham, ye, shall keep between me and you, plural, and thy seed after thee, every man child among you. All these, every time you have it, it's all plural. Ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of a covenant between, between, uh, betwixt me and you. That's a every man child. That's every single one. That's a plural le- reference. It's not just Abraham and his first kid and how this is. It is generation after generation after generation. Now watch this. Go over to Genesis chapter 43. Genesis chapter 43. Joseph is here. He's Pharaoh, right? He's second only to Pharaoh. He's got his brothers coming. Verse 29. And he lift up his eyes and saw his brethren, or his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother, of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. He says to the brothers, is this your brother that you were telling me about? Gentlemen, the group right here. And he says, okay, the Lord be gracious unto thee. Just you, Benjamin. He is purposely delineating. He does it over and over again. It's part of the English language that most people don't understand. Genesis chapter 50, watch this. The brothers come back, right? In Genesis chapter 50. Their father is dead. They're worried Joseph's going to get them. Verse 16, And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph. Well, is he talking to? All the brothers. The brothers sent the messenger. <laughs> forgive, I pray thee. Joseph, forgive it. Now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. He delineates it over and over and over again. The children of Israel in Exodus. uh, Go over, I'm going to give you a couple of important ones. Look over at Luke chapter 5. You say, well, you can figure it out in the context. Why do you have to figure everything out? Because what if you get it wrong? I'm going to give you two right here that if you get these things wrong, you're going to be in trouble doctrinally. Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. Right, the question of the man who is sick, if Jesus can go ahead and forgive sins. Verse 23, whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk. But that ye, that whole crowd, not the guy he's about to heal, but that the whole crowd, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. He delineates it every time. Probably the most important spot is John chapter 3. Look over at John chapter 3. You say, is this really, I mean, is this really that important? It is once you start getting into some of these passages. That's why he delineates these for you. 
He purposely divides between the plural and the singular so you know if he's talking to one or many. Because sometimes the audience matters more than anything else. Because watch this, John chapter 3, you know what's happened. Nicodemus has come. And Nicodemus, you know, you must, here he is, right? Verse number uh, Verse number 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, right? Nicodemus, how can a man be born when he is old and so on? Verse number 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Why do you change that? Why didn't he just say thou? Marvel not that I said unto thee, thou must be born again. Well, because he's not just talking to Nicodemus. The new birth isn't just for Nicodemus. The new birth goes to, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what's he doing? He's just delineating those. He's letting you know that, guess what? Sometimes I can talk to an individual about a large group. It gets very confusing sometimes in the Gospels. Jesus will be talking. He does it, right? The Catholic Church ruins something, right? They ruin, they ruin, they make Peter, right? The first, the first pope, and he's the rock on which the church is built. Why? Because Jesus stands there and goes, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and points back to himself. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They can't figure out who he's talking to. <laughs> a King James Bible cleans up a whole lot of who's getting talked to and what's being said. And this is just one of those things. So now let's go back over to Luke chapter 22. So why'd you say it that way? Because I want you to see what he's doing right here. This right here, I think, is a very pivotal spot in the life of Peter, but also with the disciples. He's there at the Last Supper. He knows he's about to lay down his life for the entire world. He's going to do that, and he is going to, of course, his body will be broken, his blood will be shed, and these guys are bickering over who's the greatest and who'd betray him. And who, who's the failure, but who's the greatest? And he says this, because everybody takes verse 31, almost everybody that I've ever heard, you know what they say? He's just talking about Peter. Peter's going to get sifted. Peter's going to be the one the devil's after. No. Notice what he said there in verse number 31. Simon, Simon. He's talking to Simon. Right? He's talking to Simon Peter. And he says, Satan hath desired to have you. Well, that's plural. That's not just, that's not just Peter. So what's he saying? He's saying in our com common vernacular, he'd be saying, hey, Simon, Satan wants all you guys. That's what he wants. He wants all of you. Satan hath desired to have all of you, that he may sift you all as wheat. You know what the devil wants? He wants every disciple of Jesus Christ sifted. That's what he's telling Simon. Simon, it's not just about Peter and what's about to happen to Peter. And we know Peter makes the great declaration here. You know, I'll forsake thee. I won't forsake you. I'm going to go with you. I'm with you to the end. Jesus, you know, I'm right there. And that's not what the Lord is saying. The Lord's saying, I've got, the devil wants to sift every one of you. But then notice how he changes this. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to get to preaching here in just a moment. 
But I have prayed for thee, Peter. He got specific and says, Peter, I'm praying right for you. That thy faith fail not. The first half is all about the group. The second half is all about what God's doing for Peter. And we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at when, uh, we're going to look at thy faith, that thy faith fail not. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll see. Father, I do thank you for the night. I thank you for the goodness and the mercies of a holy God who can, Father, not only save to the uttermost, but keep us, protect us. And Father, I'm glad that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, prays for us. And Lord, I do pray that you would be with me now as I speak, as I preach. Father, give me clarity of thought and mind. Give me power. Give me boldness. Help me, Lord, to say what needs to be said, nothing more and nothing less, so that Jesus Christ might be praised and honored and glorified this night. Lord, we do love you and we do pray a trumpet would sound even tonight. But Lord, until you do, I pray you'd help us to stand strong and stand faithful. Lord, that our faith fail not in an evil day. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what he says. He says, hey, uh, Satan hath desired to have you. Uh, the first thing you find in, the, in this statement that he's making to Peter is that Satan has some desires. He wants some things. And the one thing that he wants is he wants all the disciples of Jesus Christ, anybody who'd follow him, anybody who'd be willing to go ahead and follow. Now we know that he goes ahead and he gets, he gets Judas Iscariot. He gets one, Right? He deceives one into following him instead. Now, what did he do? Well, I mean, you look over the passages on Judas Iscariot, and Judas got deceived, I think. I really do. I really think this, and and I know I've said it before. I really think Judas thought that he was going to make a quick buck. Jesus was going to get out of it. And he was going to be able to get away with some money, put a little money in the pocket, and be able to walk away and have it not bother him at all. I mean, Jesus is walking through crowds of people who are ready to stone him. He's walking out. Every time they tried to get him, he just seemed to walk out like nobody could ever touch him. But what he doesn't understand is Jesus' hour has come. He's, He's ready to lay down his life now. And Judas got deceived into thinking Jesus could get out of it every time. But the timetable was not Judas's timetable. It was the Lord's timetable. And Satan goes ahead and manipulates. You know what he does? He wants to have you. So what does he do? He starts to deceive you. He tries to trick you into thinking the way that he wants you to think and to see things the way he wants you to think and to see it just just from his perspective. And we've talked a lot about that before. The devil is great. He is an artist at trying to deceive. And then when he gets you deceived, think about this. Those disciples just a little bit ago. The Lord goes, hey, somebody here is going to betray me. And at first they start arguing about who's going to betray him. But they lose focus on who's going to betray him, and it goes to who's the greatest. And what do they get? They get divisions. There's strife between them. What's the devil doing? He's already working on sifting. They've been deceived into thinking that they're great. Take heed. Why? Because you think you're standing, you're about to fall. Say, what's the devil doing? He's just already starting to sift. 
Say, what does the sifting do? Right? It breaks off the chaff from the wheat. It divides. The job of sifting is to divide out the good and the bad, the faithful and the unfaithful. And you know what he's trying to do? The devil tries to bring out our weaknesses, our failures, our shortcomings, the way that we don't live up to what we ought to be. And he tries to get that tossed up into the air so that the wind can come and the prince and power of the air can sweep through and blow that chaff right away and blow you right out of the work. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring all your weaknesses to the top so he can go ahead and exploit them one after the other. And wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. And the Lord looking over at Simon and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you. All of you. Because he's not looking just at Simon Peter. He's looking at all 12 and he's going, Satan wants every one. You know what he wants to do? He wants to exploit all of your weaknesses. He wants to deceive you into thinking you're better than you are so that he can go ahead and sift, divide you up and get you into the place where you think that you're better than everybody else and you don't need anybody and I'm going to be the greatest and I'm going to be wonderful. He's going to build you up in your pride and in your arrogancy and then he's going to go ahead and exploit those weaknesses so that he can go ahead and you know what is amazing? What happens to flour after you sift it? You cook it and eat it. Satan hath desired to have you. Peter writes about it later, doesn't he? The devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How about that? They beat that flower, they get it all set, and you know what they do? He devours it. He's already blown you away from where God is, and then he says, okay, I can take you. And they're taken captive by him at his will. That's the warning. Satan's desire is to go ahead and make it so that you are in the position that God is off your radar because you don't want him there anymore because you've gone ahead and gotten blown off to the side. You've moved away. And he goes, now you're out of his protections. I will go ahead and devour What happens after the Last Supper here? Judas goes out and he goes to see the high priest and go ahead and make his deal. The other 11 follow Jesus Christ down to Gethsemane. He gives that great discourse throughout the last part of John 13 and then 14, 15, 16, 17, chapter 18, he steps into the garden resigns his life, his will to the Father's will. Judas shows up with the band of soldiers given to him by the high priest. He betrays Jesus Christ with a kiss. Peter whips out that sword and chops off Malchus's ear. The Lord puts it back on and tells him to put his sword away. And the prophecy was, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Chaff, which the wind driveth away. Ten men all leave. Ten are scattered entirely. John, we know he stays close and he follows all the way out to the cross. He's there waiting at the foot. We know that from the crucifixion account. Peter, he follows for a little while, but he follows afar off, right? 
gets himself in trouble because he goes down and he sits there with the soldiers and does all of what he does and denies the Lord thrice. And he ends up holding on a little longer but gets blown off to the side as well. And the Lord says, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. I want you to know something tonight. The devil would gladly take all of you. If he could, he'd take all of you. And not because of your greatness. Instead, he would take all of you because of what you could do for the God that saved you. He wants to take everyone that follows Jesus Christ and sift them as wheat and exploit all their weaknesses and blow them off to the side and get them to the place where he can devour them. He wants to deceive, divide, and devour. That's Satan's desire. But notice this, verse 32. You have the Savior's great declaration right here. The Savior declares this, but I have prayed for thee. <laughs> now, I am all for everybody praying for everybody. <laughs> right? But if I had an option between any of you praying for me and Jesus praying for me, I think I know who I'm rooting for. All right? I think I know who I would rather have. He's probably going to get it right. I think his relationship with the Father is better than any of ours. All right? No offense to some of the greatest Christians that ever walked on the planet, but I pick Jesus to pray for me over anybody else. And his promise to Peter is, hey, I prayed for you, Peter. Now notice this, he doesn't just pray for Peter. That's not the only person he's ever prayed for. Look back, uh, look to John chapter 17. Hold your place here, but John chapter 17. Now, John chapter 17, we're going to grab some verses. I'm going to jump through the passage because otherwise I've got to read about 20 verses. And uh, he says, uh, of course, he's manifest, verse number 6, thy name unto the men which thou, hast gave, thou gavest me out of the world. Verse number 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. He says in verse uh, number, uh, number 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That's not his prayer for Peter either. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. That sound like what the devil would want to do to you? Sounds like he's praying for you what he was praying for Peter. He says in verse number 19, And for thy sakes, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art, one, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. He goes, I'm praying for everybody that believes what was said. 
Well, that's you and me. Right? We trusted Christ as our Savior. We believed He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We believe that He died not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. We believe in Him and we trusted Him and we... What's Jesus praying for? He's praying for you and I. So He's praying for He's praying for Peter. Well, what does He pray for Peter? The same thing He's praying for you and I. Keep us from the evil. Keep the devil away from us, from ruining and devouring us and he says this in, in back in Luke chapter 22 what's he praying he says that thy faith fail not here it is yo the Lord's declaration is don't let your faith fail The devil tries to deceive and he tries to divide us and he tries to devour us. And the only thing you and I have to hold on to is the belief that God is right. That's it. Peter doubts him and what happens? He doubts him and his answer is, I don't know him. (laughs) I don't know him. Peter follows all the way up till... That moment right there. He was halfway in and halfway out. And all it took was him doubting. And that cock crew, ain't already knew? I failed. He goes out and he weeps bitterly. And he wants to fix it, but he didn't know how to fix it. He just knows he messed it all up. And Satan's, Satan's going, sifting him. I'm sifting him and I'm getting ready to eat him. Devoured. Say, what's the devil trying to do? He's trying to do that to every one of us. He's trying to get every one of us to go that direction. He wants to, he wants to divide. He wants to pull us apart. He wants to remove all of that confidence and all of that faith in God and what He does and how He does and rip down the unity and the It's his goal. And blow it away just like the chaff. You know, it's amazing to me. We had some people here. There are people, every church that I go, I've gone to, every almost every pastor I've talked to. Yeah, there's increases in different areas of people's churches, but they were amazed at one thing and one thing only. How many people left because of one thing? And they never came back. I hate even saying the word COVID. And they're gone and they never come back. Or there's just stupid things that just come in. You say, what's the devil doing? Just blowing some wind through. What can I get to blow that chaff out of the way? What can I do to separate and divide? What can I do so that I can make it ruined? And now we have, we have Brother Gip coming next year in March. I'm excited we have him. Well, you know, the sad reality is he called because he had months on his schedule missing because of churches that from seven or eight years ago when he scheduled, he can't even get a hold of anybody. Churches are closed, doors are closed, pastors are gone. He has no idea how to get a hold of them. Can't confirm a meeting, so he calls and says, hey, I, you guys want me to come in? I'm like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> what do you have open? Uh, the entire month of March, the entire month of April. 
literally just whole months throughout his year. I thought, my goodness. I said, brother, what happened? Because we know Brother Gibb, he's, he's full up all the time. He's always going. And he said, brother, I just can't get a hold of any church. I can't find them. It's like they've completely disappeared. And Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And he throws them up in the air and just blows them down the road. So what, what happened? Somebody got sifted. So that wouldn't happen to me. That's what Peter said. That's what Peter says right here, right? Well, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, you know, both into prison and to death. I'm ready to go. And Lord says, Peter, you're going to deny me thrice before the night's out, man. Satan's desire is to go ahead and ruin you. But the Lord, his, the Savior's desire, his declaration is that he's prayed for you and that thy faith fail not. Say, well, Peter failed. Well, look back at Luke 22. Look at verse 32. This is amazing. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, I am not a Calvinist. We all know I'm not. But man, that's almost as Calvinistic as you can get right there. Jesus Christ looked at him and said, Oh, and by the way, I'm, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And uh, just so you know, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. <laughs> what? It's like he goes, don't worry, I know exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> and he does know. But he gives him that one little moment of encouragement. He gives his servant one directive. He goes, when you're converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, most of the time in the scriptures, converted is often referencing somebody who's lost and comes to the Savior. Now, you're in a weird spot here because this is not, we aren't after the cross, so you're not in the New Testament of His blood. And so you can get the loss of the Holy Spirit and all these things and how it all works in the Old Testament. Uh, you're still kind of wrapped up under that. I don't think that's His reference here. I don't think Peter stopped believing who Jesus was. He made the great declaration, Thou art the Christ of the Son of the living God. We believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ. I mean, he's just... Over and over and over again. I don't think Peter's like, he's not it. <laughs> I don't think that's what happens. But I do know he changed his mind on something. Look over at uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Now, you know what's happening, right? We're coming up. Jesus has been arrested. He's in with the high priest. They're all in there. John's gotten inside, and Peter's outside. And here in verse number 25, Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Notice what they ask him. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. There it is. You say, what did he do? Aren't you supposed to be following that guy? <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you supposed to be one of those guys with Jesus? And he says, nope, not me. 
Christian, you know what happens often? You and I make a choice, and you know what we do? It's not about our salvation. It's not being a converted to salvation. You know what it is? It's back to being a disciple or not. You can be a disciple and then walk away. You see that throughout the scriptures over and over, right? The Gospels, I mean, he gets up and over and over again. Many walk not after him anymore and so on and over and over. You see those disciples and they turn and they walk away. And they don't, they don't follow him again. Peter is one of the rarities in that right here he makes a choice, I'm not going to follow. I'm not a disciple. I'm not. And he starts to walk the other way. And he goes out. He knows he's made a mistake. Right in the passage later, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And he runs away after the cock crows. And Mark chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ comes up from a grave. And the women have come. In verse number 7, he makes this statement. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Isn't that odd little phrase? Why didn't you just say the disciples? Why didn't you say the disciples? Just tell the disciples. Peter's got to be in that group, right? No, Peter decided he didn't want to be in that group anymore. The devil came in and the prince and power of the air started sweeping through and blowing the wind and getting them all turned around and he said, I'm done with this idea. And he started getting blown out. And the Lord says, hey, tell the disciples and Peter. Let him know. Because we need a John chapter 21. Say, what's John chapter 21? I go a fishing. Hey, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Oh, you know I love you. Okay, well, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. There must be a restoration to fellowship and to discipleship when the devil starts to blow you away. The faith is that you know that he's right and you need to follow him. The devil would convince you otherwise and that there's no reason to follow him anymore. There's no reason to walk in his ways. There's no reason to continue. There's no reason to finish. There's no reason to do those things. Instead, what he'd want you to do is, uh, you know, let your faith fail and don't trust him anymore. And God's going, hey, I'm praying for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, <laughs> I'm going to follow him. My faith has become solid that I'll follow him. Strengthen Thy brethren. You know what, Paul, what Peter does? Feed my sheep. Peter, your job is to feed the sheep. You know what he says to, in 1 Peter chapter 5 to the elders? Feed the flock of God. He, he learned something real quick. You know, I think Peter learned two things this day right here in Luke chapter 22. After all was said and done, those few days right there, you know what I think he learned? I think he learned that the devil would rather devour him than anything else. And that his job is to feed the flock of God and to take care of the sheep. So what's he doing? Strengthening thy brethren. You know, you get to Acts chapter 1. 
Jesus Christ goes up, right? They watch him go up in Acts chapter 1. Verse 15, Peter stands up in front of all the, all the disciples that are there. And he tells them all, that you know, he gives the history and Judas and how he fell by transgression and all the things. And they go ahead and by the end of the chapter, they're instituting Matthias as the, as the replacement for Judas. Why? Because Peter stood up and led. He took the lead. So what's he doing? He's trying to strengthen the brethren. He stands up in Acts chapter 2 and you have Pentecost and Peter preaches Pentecost that day and the power of God shows up and the Holy Ghost moves through and sweeps through and shows how great he is and it's all because Peter stands up and does what he was told to do. Acts chapter 3, he's there at the temple and the guy's sitting at the gate and he heals him. He's the one doing that stuff. John's with him. But Peter's the one, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. And he's, he's preaching to everybody else around him by how Jesus Christ healed this man. They get thrown in prison, Acts chapter 4, right? They take them and they throw them in prison. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know what he says? I'm a disciple now. I'm a disciple. I'm sold on this deal. He takes it, he's faithful unto death. John chapter 21, the Lord tells him exactly his fate. Well, Peter, when you were young, they took you where, and now you get to go where you want to go, but when you're old, they'll take you where you don't want to go again. And you'll be into death. And he lays down his life for Jesus Christ. So what did he figure out? He figured out Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift or Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter's job was very well fulfilled. You say, Oh, he made mistakes. That's all right. We make mistakes. It's okay. Lord says, we can just try again. <laughs> well, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't stay faithful all the way. I mean, John was there at the cross, and I know. But how many of us have been faithful all the way? How many times have we let the devil start blowing us around? Start separating that chaff in our life and start exploiting all of our weaknesses and start exploiting how terrible we really are and start poking holes in the armor now we think we have on and we think we've secured and, God, and God's going, hey, I'm praying for you. That thy faith fail not. In your armor, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith. And what's he doing? That thy faith fail not. You can trust him. Even when it looks awful because he's about to give his life. We understand the disciples don't understand what he's doing, but we know he's given his life to pay the debt of their sins. He's paying, he's paying the debt of all of our sins. He's about to do the greatest thing that mankind will ever need. Their greatest need is about to be fulfilled. They don't understand it, and he's not happy about it. And the devil's taking it and just, how far can I push him? How far can I get him out? so that I can get him away far enough that I can devour him. And there's Peter, you know what he says? 
I messed it up. And the Lord says, yeah, but Peter, I'm alive and well. Your job is to feed the sheep. Strengthen your brethren. Don't let your faith fail. Be converted. Decide you're going to stay that disciple that I know you ought to be. And follow me. Say, what's, what's the devil trying to do? He is always trying to shake your faith. And get you moved off that foundation. So that he can blow you away. As quickly and as easily as a house on sand. Say, what do we have to do? Remember the Lord's praying for you. Remember to increase your faith as much as you can. Strengthen it. Hold on to it. Even when it doesn't make sense. And when your resolve is more secured, the answer is, okay, find somebody else to strengthen. Find somebody else to encourage. Find somebody else to go, hey, it's not like that. It's better than that. The devil's got you blown in the wind. Hang on a minute. <laughs> the truth is this. And the word of God says, and you give him. To do what? You feed him something. You give him something from the Bible and help him. And you strengthen your brethren so that you can go ahead and stand in an evil day. The devil is glad when he gets to devour. You realize that Job is probably is probably one of the greatest pictures of what the devil can do when he's unleashed. And you know what God said? That guy will follow me either way. Say, oh, Peter got a little shaken. Yeah, but you know what he ended with? I'm following. I'm following. You say, I feel a little shaken up. Okay, don't stop following. Don't stop following. Now's not the time to stop following. Now's the time to finish. Let's go ahead and stand. about to step into our Faith Promise Missions Conference. I got looking at that passage. I read that passage. I was, man, just thinking how the devil would just love to destroy as much as he can so that we cannot do the things God would want us to do. And I thought, I'm real glad Jesus Christ is praying for us. And now is not the time to let your faith dwindle just because the world is crazy and because everything doesn't seem like it's going so smooth. You can still trust God in a lousy economy and a lousy world. You can still go, God, I know you've got it all under control. And whatever you ask of me, I can do. I can still follow. I can still go. I can still do because of how great of a God you are. Lord, I do pray you would bless the invitation even now. Lord, I thank you so much that you go with us wherever we go. Father, I'm so glad we have a God in heaven who cares about us. I pray you would bless our night tonight. Thank you again for saving us, for keeping us, and for be willing to work with us over and over again, even through our failures. Lord, encourage us and strengthen us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.